This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Munganas St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner! He scores! Now. Sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Well, I'm glad it isn't Monday morning because if it was about to snow on Monday and yet all the people out, you do have a lot of Christmas shoppers out there today, though. For whatever reason, when it snows in St. Louis, people forget how to drive in it. They forget, they, they lose all uh, function out there. It's just, <laughs> you know, don't, if, if you don't know how to drive in it, I would suggest just cozying up and listening to sports on a Sunday morning today or just hanging out at home today. It's fine if you don't want to be out in it. I just be careful today and understand that it's snow and uh, people get it this time of year. It's winter. It's Christmas season. It's beautiful and enjoy. And it's great to be along with you on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. It is an incredible day if you're a Blues fan. I mean, you have to feel at this point that it's all happening again, just in a different way. At this point last year, Mike Yo had been fired. Craig Berube was the coach. The team was still heading down. They had nothing. They were trending to last place in the NHL. Right now, they're the number one team in the Western Conference. Not number one overall. That would be Washington, but Boston's falling apart. They've lost a few games, and you know the, the, they'll be back. They'll be fine, but they're starting to lose some games like the Blues did recently. The Blues were down 3 to nothing last night in the third period. Hadn't played... Poorly necessarily, though. I mean, at that point, they were out shooting the Hawks 27 to 12. But for whatever reason, they fell behind three to nothing. They just could not get anything going. And the Blackhawks were making things happen. And it's a very possible that people turned it off and said, you know what? It's just not the Blues night. And maybe they're starting to slip a little bit. <laughs> Fox Sports Midwest with the call. Let's just sit back and enjoy John Kelly and Darren Pang as the Blues made some history last night at Enterprise Center. Robert Thomas in front. Bozak wide open and a save again. Thomas gets it back. In front, they score! Bozak! And it's 3-1. Face-off won by Bozak. Grabbed by Thomas. Spins. In front. Bozak, he scores! They've done it again. It's 3-2. Does this look familiar to you? You're going to see this over here. And Robert Thomas, again, much like we saw last year with the play by Maroon, Thomas, and Bozak. And what a spinorama move up. Robert Thomas is on his knees. And look how strong Bozak's in on his skates. This puck finds its way through the legs of Steen, through the legs of Seabrook. And Bozak gets a part of it with a stick and part of it with a skate, it look like. And it's 3-2. What a setup by Thomas. Now O'Reilly in front. Backhander, they score! Della Rose has tied it! They're jumping now. Play was in deep. Good pickoff there on the boards. Ryan O'Reilly with a magnificent... 
Gets some help from Thomas. And then Steve for Thomas. To Falk. Shoots. He scores! Falk! Goal of the season. Heads up all the way by Robert Thomas. Drags everybody towards him. That leaves the open man. And this one isn't high. Incredible. What a moment on Fox Sports Midwest right there. John Kelly and Darren Pang with the call. Let's go to Blue Note Productions after the game as the Blues win it 4-3 to three over the Blackhawks. Folks, it's the first time in Blues history that they have trailed by three goals or more and won the game in regulation. They were down three to nothing in the third period and won it in regulation. Remember, they they were down five nothing in the Maple Leafs years ago and won the game six five. That was in overtime. This was in the third period. A remarkable comeback. Four in the third. Let's go to the locker room. Blue Note Productions. Justin Falk, Jordan Bennington, and Tyler Bozak. Uh, yeah, not well, not many, a couple, but uh, a bit of a roller coaster there. Obviously, I think we. I think overall we were playing a pretty good game uh, for the most part and um, obviously we got we got behind 3-0 and um, it's good on the boys to, to stick with it you know uh, it doesn't always happen that way but we got one and we got some energy off it and and uh, we were able to keep going was it the obvious what changed I mean what changed in your play anything I don't know I mean I, I don't I don't think we were playing a bad game and I thought we were actually playing a pretty good game and uh, limiting some of their chances and um, uh, it just could be a case of that. It, it, it just turned and went our way there, uh, the last half of that third period. And um, I don't, I don't. It's just one of those nights where uh, it was a little weird, probably. But uh, I think, I think we played a pretty good game from the start. We kept pushing and uh, we stayed with it. And you know, we had a lot of, a lot of shots tonight and a lot of work in offensive zone time. So um, it's good to see us kind of hanging out back there, just you know, trying to be there when the boys needed me and. You know, they really stepped up and uh, were huge in, in that third period. So it's, uh, it's a big win for us. Falk said just now that you really didn't have to change a whole lot. He didn't think you were playing a bad game, but was it easy to kind of get discouraged when it gets to be two and three to nothing and nothing was going around? But did the guys just kind of stick with it? Yeah, you could feel it, right? Um, we knew if we got one, we'd have a chance to get a couple more. And, uh, you know, the, the momentum was on our side and the, the atmosphere in here was crazy first. You know, Saturday nights good to see the city of St. Louis uh, having a good time and uh, we're happy we brought them home a win. You know, these points are huge. They're division games and um, they're important right now. After the uh, the Kane goal, just did he did he catch you with the maybe a little off guard there or what, what did you see when he's kind of got the puck there? Yeah, you know, he's obviously a elite player and uh, kind of just didn't read it well and uh, he beat me, but you know, just going to take the win and uh, get out of here. Important PK there at the end too. To be yeah, able to you know it's good to get a little little compete out at the end, uh, and you know the boys battled hard again. And Bortuzzo had a really skilled play along the wall to get the puck out with that saved or shaved a lot of time. So um, everyone was contributing tonight, and uh, it was good to see. And you know we're gonna rest up and uh, prepare for Colorado. Is this the kind of game you can build off of when you look like you're not gonna get two points and you find a way to get them? Yeah, th- these are key. You know, uh, it's not always gonna be perfect, but we. Uh, we stayed with it, and we're going to use that, and we're going to take it and go. So, 
I thought we did a lot of good things even prior to that. Um, you know, their goalie played well. They're, you know, they got some really good players up front and that are very opportunistic. And you know, they scored some goals. But uh, it's nice to see us kind of keep pushing and, and uh, you know, get that first one. Kind of gave us a little momentum, and you know, we went on from there. How easy does or effortless does Rob Thomas make those passes look up and set you guys up? Yeah, he was great tonight. He, uh, you know, he was all over the puck. He was kind of following him around. He was making great plays. Um, it was nice to be on the receiving end of those, and, and for them to go in, uh, it was nice for us to contribute and a win, too. How do you describe that second goal of yours? Yeah, it's just like a face-off play. We kind of run a lot, and, um, you know, I just tried to get to the net. Steen Arrow's at the net. Um, just Tomer made a nice play to kind of get it in the traffic there, and uh, took a nice bounce for us. Tyler, when, when you're dominating a game like that in the first period, and it's the puck's not going in, and then they get a lead, and then they build off of it, but... It's easy to get frustrated off of that, but it didn't seem like you guys did. How were you able to stick with it? Yeah, I mean, I think we've been through a lot as a group, um, you know, our leadership um, and everything. Um, we kind of stay even keel no matter what's going on. I think you don't get too high or too low. And obviously we know there's going to be stretches of games that, you know, don't go your way and you just got to keep pushing. And, um, you know, luckily it worked out for us tonight. And, um you know, we got a really important game coming up, too, so we'll put this one behind us and focus on that now. That they do. The Colorado Avalanche will be in the house tomorrow night. They are the team chasing the Blues in the Central Division right now. Those teams are neck and neck. The Blues pick up a remarkable win. And, yes, it's a little extra that it's against the Blackhawks. Nobody is feeling sorry for the Blackhawks around here. That Chicago team, which won multiple Stanley Cups with a former Blues coach and a, a city that has had a rivalry with St. Louis for so long. The Blues tormented for years. The Blues are now that team. The Blues are the team in the NHL that everybody's looking at. The, the Blues are the team pacing the Western Conference. The Blues are the team, and they get it done last night, 4-3 to three over the Blackhawks in a remarkable accomplishment. It's the second time in Blues history that the team has come back from a deficit like that in the third period, but the first time that they've done it in regulation down at least three goals in the third to win a game. Again, Toronto, that game was in 2000, November 29th, 2000. They were down 5 to nothing. I'll never forget that. They're down 5 to nothing. won the game 6-5, but they did that in OT. This one was done in regulation. They score four goals in the final 15 minutes, and with 2.26 left from the left faceoff circle, Justin Falk scores the goal. Jacob Della Rose scored a goal. Tyler Bozak with a couple of goals. But you know who was involved? If you listen to those highlights on Fox Sports Midwest, Robert Thomas was everywhere, everywhere. And, I, you know, I heard his name yesterday involved in trade rumors that were circulating around. Look, if they move Robert Thomas, I would be stunned. I mean, I, I just don't see it. I mean, there are a lot of players that you could move to improve your team. Robert Thomas is going to be a star if he's not now. I mean, he is so strong with the puck. He can play center. He can play wing. He's still learning the game. He's a kid. And the Blues have a really good player in Robert Thomas. He is special. He's frightening, actually, when he plays at that level. And he was everywhere. I mean, he looked like he had eyes in the side, the back of his head. I mean, I don't know how uh, this came about so fast. And think he was hurt in the postseason last year, and the Blues were still able to do what they were able to do. So the Blues get the win, 4-3 to three over the Blackhawks. What a finish to Saturday night. It was a busy sports day, and we'll run through a couple of things for you. Let me set up the show also. Derek Gould's going to join us in about 10 minutes, and we're going to talk some baseball and try to figure out what the Cardinals did at the winter meetings. They didn't make any transactions but uh, of note, but 
we'll see what was cooking there and what might come. Derek Gould from the Post-Dispatch will be with us in about 10 minutes. We'll also be joined today by Travis Ford. His Billikens, I thought, fought really well. I think Billiken fans should be proud of what happened yesterday. They lost the game to number 12 Auburn, 67-61. And, and Travis, I know, will come on the air, and he's going to pick apart some of the things they didn't do well and what they need to do to be better to finish a game like that. But that's a really good team. That's a Final Four team that they played tooth and nail, and they lost 67-61 on the road in Birmingham against Auburn. The Billikens lost their game. We're going to be joined by Martin Kilcoin. He'll be with us from Los Angeles. He is at the NFL on Fox Studios. I find that interesting. He's going to do a, a story there on that studio set and the people there, and I want to hear some backstories from that only Martin Kilcoin can deliver, the sports director at Fox 2 here in St. Louis. At 11.45, Oliver Luck is the commissioner of the XFL. I really like him, and I actually, after spending some time with him at Rams Park, which was surreal to be in that building again after all the years of covering a Super Bowl champion, uh, I believe him. I think this league has something to it, and I think the St. Louis Battlehawks are going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be an entertaining product to take your kids and your friends uh, down to the Dome and watch, and it's coming up. It's a, they start playing in a, in a couple months. February 23rd is their first game against New York at the Dome at America's Center. Uh, we had some other college basketball going on as Illinois won. 69-55 over Old Dominion, nearly missing a double-double was Kofi Coburn, the seven-foot freshman. I can't wait to see him in person. I want to see him at this Bragg and Rights game going up against Jeremiah Tillman. That's going to be some good stuff happening next Saturday, the 21st, at Enterprise Center. That one tips off at noon. If you don't have tickets for that, you should. That is, I know that these teams aren't top 25. It doesn't matter. If you haven't been to this game, you have to understand that it's about the fan bases. It's, it's about the atmosphere as much as it is the players and the coaches. Going head-to-head right before Christmas, the, the adult beverages are flowing in the crowd. It is fun, and the bragging rights game should be really good. Illinois is good. They won 69-55 over Old Dominion, and Coburn uh, just missed another double-double. He had 11 points and 9 rebounds. Alan Griffin was 6-7 of seven from the floor, had 15 points. Illinois is 8-3 on the season. Number 10, Oregon beat Michigan 71-70 in overtime. Michigan has been reeling since they vaulted up to the top of the standings. A couple of other notes is that Mizzou plays today. They take on Southern Illinois. That one will tip off at 3 o'clock in Columbia. Uh, Illinois State's at Northern Kentucky coming up at 1 o'clock. Also at 3, SIUE at Northwestern. 6 o'clock tonight, Missouri State against VCU. That game is taking place in Richmond. And Southeast Missouri State will play Youngstown State at 7 o'clock. It's a great day to be an LSU fan as well. If you love LSU, you know that they haven't won a Heisman Trophy since 1959. Can you believe that? Of all the great LSU players, they haven't had a Heisman since 59. Well, Joe Burrow has changed that. He won the Heisman Trophy, and he won it in a rout. In college football, it is the most prestigious award, and he threw for 4,715 yards and an SEC record, 48 touchdowns, and left no doubt as he won the Heisman, receiving 841 first-place votes. To put that in perspective, that's 90.7% of all the first-place votes available. That is a record. No one has ever had more than Joe Burrow of LSU. And, you know, he was uh, he's from Ohio. 
He failed to receive significant playing time at uh, Ohio State, transferred to LSU, and then threw for over 7,600 yards and 64 touchdowns. That's quite the story. Jalen Hurts, another quarterback transfer. He went from Alabama to Oklahoma. He was second in the Heisman voting. Justin Fields, the quarterback at Ohio State third. Buckeyes defensive end Chase Young was fourth, but Joe Burrow wins it running away, and he had a beautiful speech, too. You should look that up and listen to it. I'd play it for you, but we have a lot to get to here. But it's a very special, I think, tribute to the people around him and where he's from. And uh, I, I really appreciate Joe Burrow, the quarterback at LSU, winning the Heisman. Malcolm Perry's the quarterback at Navy, and he ran and ran. 304 yards rushing for the quarterback at Navy as Navy beat Army 31-7. to That's a career high for him. He had two touchdowns. Navy's ranked 21st in the nation, and they took care of Army by the final of 31-7. to I've been to this game twice. It is a bucket list. You should have on your bucket list, one thing I haven't done is the Masters, and I will do it at some point, but you should have the Kentucky Derby, the Indy 500, uh, the Rose Bowl, uh, the Army-Navy game. The Army-Navy game is special. It, it really is. And uh, try to make it at some point if you can. The Commander-in-Chief's trophy was won by Navy once again as they beat Army 31 to seven. The United States has maintained possession of the President's Cup. I was watching a lot of sports last night. I saw Tiger last night. He got the job done. He is the captain of the Americans team, and they put together on the final day a dominant performance against the international squad. The Americans took eight of a possible 12 points in singles play, beginning with Tiger's record-breaking 27th President's Cup point. The team captain, Woods, won all three of his matches during the tournament, and the U.S. took the event for the 11th time in 13 tries. This was down in Melbourne, Australia. Woods put together a strong 3-2 and victory. Victories by Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Schofley, Webb Simpson, Matt Kuchar, Louis Oosthuizen was beaten by Kuchar. Kuchar wrapped it up with a birdie on 17. Just a good performance by the Americans winning over the international squad in the President's Cup. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch. We have some NFL news to get to for all you fantasy football players in the playoffs. I'm in the playoffs, too. i got to check my roster, make sure I'm ready to go. Ack Attack is the name of that team. they got to make sure we, we take care of business today. It's big. I got to give a coach's speech to my guys today. We'll take a break. It's 1025. So much to get to. Can't wait for this. And I can't wait for the snow. Oh, my goodness. Look at this. It's snowing downtown. I thought the snow was coming in at noon. What's the deal? It's 1025. It's snowing downtown. All right. Bundle up. Let's go. It's sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX 1029. I'm looking out the window here at the Park Pacific right by Soldier's Memorial. A little snow blowing around, not a lot. A little dusting early, a little calm before the storm. We have some snow coming, as Megan Lynch told you, and we will have another update at the top of the hour. But we are expecting winter weather to come our way around lunchtime and rolling through midday and through tonight. And Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch, I know, will be... Uh, enjoying. He, he's from Colorado. He, he's used to this. They they don't freak out in Colorado. I mean, they just get after it, man. They plow the roads and, and go to work, right? That is correct, Tom. I have, uh, I had, uh, I think there was like, what, a blizzard of 
12 inches or something like that, 13 inches, and school was not canceled. <laughs> they just said they know what they're doing around there. They have a system. Yeah. They get it yeah, done. They, they have the equipment. They have the uh, the heavy machinery to make it happen, yes. Derek, great to have you on KMOX always. You know I'm a big fan of the Post-Dispatch. You know I love going out in the morning getting the newspaper off the driveway. We have a little tradition where I, I hand you a newspaper when you're out of town. Yeah. And I, I know you haven't seen one in a while, spring training or other assignments, so I, I love it. I liked opening the newspaper today. Ben Fredrickson has this knack of he's, he's starting to get this, you know, a good columnist knows kind of what's, what's next and what you're mm-hmm. thinking. And I had that thought yesterday or the day before when I saw that the Milwaukee Brewers were down to 12 players from their original 25-man roster of last year. Yeah. And yeah. I, was, I started thinking the Cubs seem like they're, t- they're stalling a little bit. The Brewers are shaving their roster. Is this going to come down to the Cardinals and Reds? Are the Cardinals winning here just by the division backing off a little bit? And lo and behold, above the fold, retreating central takes pressure off. Pretty good column here from Ben. An excellent column. You know, he asked the point, like, look, you see the softening of the central. For the first time in a while, the central will have a team that advertises itself as a tanking team. That will be the Pittsburgh Pirates, whatever word they put on it there. They're sinking now to try to rebound later. Um, if I can mix metaphors there, yeah. And the you know the 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 Cubs. I think that's a really good word you use. I mean, they're they're kind of stalling. You know, they they got to figure out what to do with Chris Bryant. Um, is now the time to strike? Um, especially you know acrimony over the arbitration hearing as to whether or not they have one more year of control or none. Um, they have to be able to respond to that because if. If they got two more years with him, um, if they get that seventh year, so to speak, then obviously their perception changes, but also so does the price that they could command. Um, but if they don't, then you could see a reason for them to move on. Um, they, they have not gotten the return on the investment of pitching that they want, with the exception of John Lester. Um, so how does that look for them? You know, Do they scale back a little bit? They have an absolutely empty cupboard of prospects to be candid. Um, they've hired Dan Kantrovich to maybe rectify that situation in the draft and to look at different ways to, to go ahead and beef up a, a farm system that has been strip mined for talent. So yeah, the Cubs are in a weird spot. The, the Brewers are, you know, on December, I never quite uh, remember it was January when they got Yelich. Um, they're a very patient team, um, very patient and creative general manager. Um, but it did, it was an odd look when, uh, when I think, I think I have this right, you know, the rule five draft starts on Thursday morning there. It's the annual end of the winter meetings and they begin it by announcing the number of players on every team's 40 man roster. And the reason why they begin it that way is because if your team has 40, they're ineligible to participate. So the Cardinals didn't participate in the major league portion of the rule five draft because they had 40. And I think I have this right. The Brewers had 33 on their 40 man roster. It's like, really? You, you don't have, <laughs> you only have 33. It might've even been 32. I know they started the winter at 32. So you don't have prospects you want to protect. You don't have prospects you need to protect. And you only have seven more players. Well, no, now, now five, five more players. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Let me do the math here. Six. Yeah. You have six more players, six more players than you need for the 26 man roster. That's bonkers. Um, so the direction that they're going in is fascinating. So I think you're right. I mean, you know, Ben Fredrickson hit on this notion, though, that is that shaping what the Cardinals are doing, Tom. Is, you know, can they 
um, lay in wait in part because no one in the division is a challenge to them with the exception of the Reds. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I asked Mosellock, uh, what was it, James, a couple months ago about the division and would you try to, how did I phrase this, with the window of opportunity, you just won the Central, so to keep mm-hmm. those teams away, wouldn't you try to be a little more aggressive in the offseason to make sure that the Cubs, Brewers, and Reds don't catch you? And his answer, and I'm looking for it right now, was something along the lines of, you know, we never really do something. Yeah, it's a, the Jonians. Right? It's yeah. dangerous to do something just to, just to stay with the division. We're trying to do what the Cardinals do, that kind of an answer that he would normally give. But maybe mm-hmm. he did know. I mean, maybe did, could the Cardinals have seen this coming? Do they also inspect the finances of the Cubs, Brewers, and Reds yes. and try to figure out what their 2021-22 is going to look like? They, they completely know the situation with the Cubs, for sure. Mm-hmm. They are aware. They, I mean, they see that they've struggled to produce pitching prospects. This is not a new um if I can use the word narrative for the Cubs um, and, you know, the finances is something that actually some, you know, like Gordon Whitmire with the Sun Times and others have, have written about that, that, that this kind of problem was coming for the Cubs. You know, I don't, you know, I, one of the things is that if the, the Cardinals are steadfast in that, they're like, look, we're not going to make a move because the Cubs make a move. We, we're not going to make a move because the Brewers make a move. Um, they have they have been in that silo. They've been in that isolation room for as long as I've known them. And if we hold them to that, then it also makes sense that you don't make moves, you know, or non-moves. You don't make non-moves if the other teams are not making moves. So I think it's okay to hold them to their same standard here and say, look, okay, fine. Yeah, you're not trying to – you're not trying to keep up with the Joneses in the division, but you're also not trying to hang back like the Joneses in the division either. So where's the move? Where's the where's the where's the forward progress on the roster? Um, it really does seem increasingly um, two two prongs here, Tom. That one, you know, the Cardinals. This is their view. They they don't really see a glaring need. They can make an argument that they they have everything on the roster that they really want at this point in time. So they can go into the market shopping for what they want. It's you know it's a little like Christmas shopping. Then they're going for what they want, not necessarily what they're you know not like the supermarkets today where you're going for what you need. Um, they can be a little bit more selective, a little bit more choosy. They can also be a little bit more patient. The 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 market allows for that because there's so much pitching available. Um, there's still so many free agent pitchers available. There's still a few interesting um, trade pitchers available, and the Cardinals have spent so much of the time in the last week or so sifting through that. Then the other part of this, and this is something, if you'll allow me to plug, that Ben Fredrickson yeah. and I talk about an upcoming in an upcoming episode of the podcast, the best podcast in baseball, which should be launching today, is this idea that you know they really spend the Cardinals really spent, 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 spent to catch up with October. When you think about it, like think of all their recent spending and what does it have in common? You know, whether it's Cecil and Fowler or Goldschmidt or, you know, extensions to Carpenter or Michaelis. Well, it all happened underneath the umbrella of not making the playoffs. So now they have made the playoffs. And isn't it kind of interesting that they've scaled back a little bit and they've said, we're going to go from inside. I, I think that's more than a coincidence. No, I agree. I think that's part of the philosophy here. Derek Gould is with us from the Post-Dispatch. And when you look at what their needs are, you know, and you mentioned this is about wants, maybe not as much as needs. 
I, I still, I love this rotation. I do. I mean, I think Flaherty, on paper, the potential of a Flaherty, Hudson, Michaelis, Wainwright, Martinez looks really strong. I think it's fair to say that the first three on that list uh, could go in there and and have a, a terrific year and that Wainwright mm-hmm. very well could. Um, I think that he was excellent last year. I, yeah. I still I, I question a little bit the readiness of Carlos Martinez, but that's only because we've seen it uh, time and again, and of course Alex Reyes also. Um, the lefty starter is very, very enticing. If you look around, mm-hmm. do you see any connections? Have you heard any latest connections that you can share? I mean, uh, no, just more from the last week. I mean, you, you have um, Keiko and Ryu represented by the same guy, so any conversation with the Boris Corp is going to involve those two guys. Um, you know, Keiko has been the one who, in my conversations with Dallas Keiko, he always got the vibe that the Cardinals had some interest in him last year, and he waited for – he expected them to make an offer. And he at least had already gotten down the track, he told me, of thinking about how he would fit with them. Um, you know, he was in the mind, and, you know, the Cardinals have explored that again this winter, what that would take. Um, you know, you have the Cardinals are also looking at, okay, if you get a lefty um, as sort of an insurance move, right, or an impact move, is he better than Carlos Martinez? And if not, and Carlos Martinez does take that spot in the rotation, does return to the rotation, then is the, is the Carlos Martinez of old, and that's a huge if. Um, then does that lefty have any role? Like where we fit? And, you know, like a Wade Miley as a swing guy is of interest um, in that regard. The, the Cardinals have also, I mean, they, you know, they've called around looking at possible trades. And so, you know, you, you got you got a handful of lefties who at least have been discussed on the market. You know, Kluber, former star, um, would be one of those. Robbie Ray is a Cardinal, is a guy the Cardinals try to, to have discussions for a trade this past trade deadline, but the price has not uh, been reduced. It's still exorbitant from Atlanta. So, you know, I think you look around um, and you can kind of see the Cardinals. Well, we know this, the Cardinals involved in a lot of different conversations about lefties. Um, just which one does it go through? And the Cardinals are trying to package outfielders for a pitcher. Um, that was some of their conversations this past week was like, how do you trade from an area of depth? outfield for a pitcher and clear up the 40 man to then possibly add an outfielder from the outside, either via trade or perhaps, perhaps through free agency. What about uh, the Reds offense potential there? I mean, they have, they have a chance here. I don't know if they'll snag Marcelo's in or not, but they could end up yeah. uh, really bulking up their offense. I mean, Mustakas could hit 40 plus in that yeah. park. I mean, that's scary. Um, yeah. Does that, does that spark again? This is the Cardinals not reacting to another team, but do the Cardinals need an offensive piece, or can they, as they said, go from within and change uh, the the course of of what they're doing? That that change last year's inability to drive in in the clutch. Yeah, I think uh, you know one of the things that always intrigued me starting about 2014 on through now. Um, is the very different approaches the Cubs and the Cardinals took and could take to developing a team, right? Like uh, the Cardinals were exceptional at pitching and they really, at developing pitching, acquiring pitching, signing pitching. They just had a knack and they continue to have a knack for pitching. The Cubs struggled mightily. I mean, you look at the 2006 championship team, right? There was um, no homegrown player or one homegrown player on their, 
you know, on their on their World Series roster. I mean, you compare that with the Cardinals, who sometimes two thirds of the pitching staff are homegrown when they get into the playoffs. I mean, you know, but you contrast that with um, the Cubs, really, you know, partially by luck because the Houston Astros and all their brilliance did not draft Chris Bryant one one. So apparently, they didn't have the signs for that move. Um, you you look at what they did then from there on out is the Cubs got Bryant, got Schwarber. They fixated on, you know, Baez. They fixated on position players and on power, on, 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 that, on raw power and on position players. And that's what they were able to develop. And I always like that contrast. I think they're somewhat similar to answer your question with the Reds and the Cardinals, right? At some point in time, teams should, this is my opinion, should play to the ballpark where they play most, right? You have 81 games at one place. What is the personality? What is the style? What is the what is what works at your ballpark? And I had an interesting conversation with the general manager of the Reds about that because he was saying, "Look, we recognize that we play at a place that can invite offense, that can create offense. That allows us to look at players who maybe are suppressed a little offensively where they play." and know that we're going to get more from them. So we have to think it backwards. Like we're going to, it's a little bit like Colorado in that regard. We know we're going to get some uptick of offense from the guys we acquire. What we have to look at is how do we control that for our opponent? Whereas the Cardinals play in a run prevention ballpark. We have seen that. The, the better the Cardinals play defensively, the better they pitch, the better they are fundamentally, the more success they've had at Bush Stadium. And I, I know it seems kind of, uh, well, no duh, but look back. I mean, one of the best run prevention teams we ever saw the Cardinals field was 2015. They won a hundred games. This team was the, was the best team defensively, um, not just by errors, but by many metrics, at least one of, along with Arizona, the best defensive teams in the national league this year. And in all of baseball had the best infield by advanced metrics at turning balls in play into outs of any team in baseball, better than the Dodgers. And, and then, of course, the pitching staff, which we saw, which was just suppressive. I mean, it, it suffocated opponents in the second half, and not just Jack Flaherty. I mean, until his last start, Adam Wainwright was a candidate for Pitcher of the Month for September because he was doing what Jack Flaherty did the month before. It was remarkable. They just suffocated opponents. So what kind of ball, ball team works at Bush? A run prevention one does. And I, I think there is an element there where they go, look, we'll, we'll side with defense. We'll side with pitching. Um, and we'll find our way offensively. Whereas Cincinnati is like, well, we know we can find some offense, so let's find a way to win those, you know, ten eight games. Whereas the Cardinals are going to try to win those four three games at Bush. That's right, and they were by errors the best defensive team in baseball last year. What an incredible yeah. turnaround, really! And uh, it proved to be correct, at least in winning the division and the first round of the playoffs, making it to the NLCS. Derek, in our final moments, it's 1045. Mm-hmm. I just want to uh, drive people to the Baseball Writers' Dinner on January 19th. I mean, not literally. I'm not going to drive you there. But uh-huh. I, wa- I want you to be there. I want you to have tickets. I want you to see the Cardinals up close and the legends. It's going to be awesome. It's at the uh, uh, Marriott Grand, and mm-hmm. it's back in that hotel January 19th. That night... First and foremost, we're going to have the Hall of Famer Ted Simmons in the house, and that's going to be very special. It's going to be very special and a chance for him to win one of our marquee awards. One of the things we've really worked on here in the last few years was to bring forth national awards to uh, to have. A, we have two now that like are 
that have some kind of resonance nationally within baseball. You know, it, it, it's a, makes it a destination for people to go and get these awards. And Ted Simmons is going to get the Ren Shaney's award for, you know, a lifetime achievement um, and a lifetime commitment to baseball. We also have the Branch Rickey Award, which is for innovation in baseball. That's an award that I'm really proud of um, that we do, you know, that kind of looks at the uh, other side of baseball, like who is innovating, who is changing, how baseball is, either looks at itself or baseball is looked at. Last year, we gave it to Vera Clemente and the Robinson family for the work that they've done to radically change how baseball looks at philanthropy and legacy. I mean, the, the, the widows of Jackie Robinson and Roberto Clemente have done so much to define what players do while active for charity and of course what is possible for players to do after they have retired i mean you know you think of think of what clemente and you think about jackie robinson and it doesn't take too long to see here locally like what yadier molina has done in puerto rico or what adam wainwright has already done and of course what adam wainwright plans to do after he retires from baseball to help people so um the, you know the dinner allows us to honor you know a vast spectrum of people the manager of the year award will be on site because the guy who won it will be on site there'll be a golden glove presented to a second baseman who you know tom colton wong has been chasing that award and deserving that award for a while while well, he's going to get his hands on it he's going to get i should rephrase that he's going to get his sure hands on mm-hmm. the uh, gold glove award so lots of things that happen that evening um lots of surprises uh it is a good evening and it's you know we we like to think it's for a good cause uh, we raise money to fund scholarships and to fund internships and you began this conversation by talking about the story that Ben Fredrickson had in the paper. Ben Fredrickson is one of the guys who received our one-of-a-kind uh, internship that comes from this dinner. We call it the Rick Hummel Internship. It's a writer every year. Um, now gets to spend the summer with us at the ballpark, working with us, trying to, uh, you know, we're trying to use it sort of like a minor league system, um, groom the next generation. And we have many success stories. Many baseball writers are now in the, around the country um, come from the Hummel program, and uh, and one of them is right here, and he's a columnist for us, Ben Fredrickson. Yeah, it's a great event, great cause, uh, getting those scholarships uh, handed out, and just an awesome night for a baseball fan. Excellent holiday gift. All you have to do is go to MetroTix.com, January 19th at the Marriott Grand. The St. Louis chapter of the Baseball Writers Association of America puts on its dinner, and it is outstanding. Derek Gould, we appreciate it, and thank you so much for the visit and continued great work in the Post-Dispatch. Thank you, Tom. Happy holidays to everybody. Enjoy the holiday season and a new year. Same to you, to you, Erica and Ian, and your great family. Here's Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch. I'm Tom Ackerman. We'll take a quick break, come back with more sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Tom Ackerman back with you here on KMOX. The National Weather Service in St. Louis says that a winter storm warning is in effect. We have a heavy band of snow that has caused a quick one to two inches of accumulation on roads across the northern portion of our St. Louis metropolitan area. Multiple accidents have been reported due to that hazardous travel. Again, this is just to the north of the St. Louis metropolitan area, that whole portion, a quick one to two inches of accumulation, a heavy band of snow, a winter storm warning in effect. We have heavy snow right now in Columbia 
in Missouri as well, moving this way. So we have a lot coming. Please be careful. Do not be out traveling today unless you have to. It's 10.55. A couple of quick notes from the NFL. The five teams are in position to clinch playoff berths today. New England and Buffalo can get in from the east. The Patriots can do it with a win against Cincinnati. The Bills clinch if they win at Pittsburgh in the Sunday night game. And the NFC, Green Bay, their place in the postseason comes if they beat the Bears at Lambeau and the Rams lose or tie at Dallas. San Francisco moves on with a win against Atlanta or a Rams loss or they could get in by losses from Green Bay and Minnesota. And finally, Seattle, uh, a victory and a Rams loss or tie or a Vikings loss, et cetera, gets the Seahawks a spot. We'll be back with more on KMOX after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 